This is the Backlog Exposed Podcast with Kevin Lane and Joel Rubel, bringing you weekly discussions on gaming as well as quick insights into sports, entertainment, and anything else that they can think of. Be sure to check out thebacklogexposed.com where you can listen to the podcast and get links to Twitter, Discord, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm Joe. I'm Kevin. And we are The Backlog Exposed. Yeah, yeah! Now, gear up and get ready because this backlog is about to be exposed. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Backlog Exposed. I am your host, Kevin, and uh, we have a lot to get to, but I wanted to give you a quick update um, on a few things. And just let you know, this is a quick episode, uh, um, a quick catch-up episode. Joe and I are going to be recording either later tonight or tomorrow to get you an all-encompassing episode, uh, get us back on track until I go back to surgery again in a few weeks. But um, but yeah, you know, this is just to give you a preview of what's to come and give you a little bit of heads up on what we've been working on. So uh, it's just me today uh, to, to hit you with this. So. First and foremost, uh, my surgery, okay, I had cubital and carpal tunnel surgery in my right elbow, and that put me away for a little bit. Uh, What that is, is the nerve is having a hard time going in and out of the cubital tunnel and the carpal tunnel. Uh, These are problems, I guess, that do reach um, a lot of gamers or guitarists or anybody, really, like a tennis elbow type of thing. And what they have to do is take the ulnar nerve which is the nerve that's also known as the funny bone and remove it from its tunnel. And then they got to do some stuff in there. That's really nasty looking. And then they got to seal it all back up. Uh, I have a good five to six inch long scar along the uh, inside of my elbow. The surgery was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. You know, I was pretty nervous going into it, but to be honest, uh, they just, you know, they put me out and they did both at the same time, the wrist and the elbow. Uh, I thought I was going to be out, unable to use my right arm for four to six weeks because I figured this is pretty intense surgery, especially if you watch the YouTube clips and they're pretty nasty. But in reality, once I was able to feel my arm, because they they did block it, which is called uh, like a nerve block, they put it into my uh, upper chest by the shoulder area and it shut my entire arm down for 24 hours. I couldn't feel anything. You could chop it off with an axe. It, it was done. And so once the feeling started coming back, I could wiggle my fingers. I could gently lift it about a millimeter. Uh, and then by mid next day, uh, there was the, the pain, to be honest, wasn't significant. Yes, they gave me pain pills. I was taking them. But uh, <clears throat> it wasn't near as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I was able to lift my arm. And then I was able to wiggle my fingers and I realized I could grip things. And no, there was no pain. A doctor didn't tell me not to, you know? So uh, I was, you know, I gained a little bit. We're talking like 15 minutes and then took a break and, you know, I played a round or two here, but I, I couldn't do anything really because I couldn't move my wrist. So it was just, uh, you know, getting stupid challenges in Fortnite and stuff, nothing significant. Within two days, I could adjust my wrist up and down. I could move it around in circles, I could play video games, I could type, and uh, there was a lot of pain in the soreness. But folks, for anybody who's dealing with similar symptoms, go get checked out, because my left arm is still impacted 
by the nerve damage and by the uh, you know cubital and carpal tunnel. It wasn't as bad as the pain on my right arm, but it was up there. And I can tell you right now, comparing the two, uh, there's no there's no comparison. Uh, my left arm is worse when my when my symptoms are triggered. They are worse than my right arm, which is going through the the recovery process. So, with all the fears of going under, with all the fears of having them cut open your arm and and do it, uh, even the nerve test that uh, it it doesn't feel good where they stick needles in you. But to be honest, it doesn't even compare to the consistent and long term pain that you're in. I was not sleeping. I still am not because of my left arm. Um, not sleeping great, and the recovery on my right arm is a little bit stiff, so it's it's hard to sleep the way I like to sleep. But there is a difference, and it's noticeable, and I, I implore you all, go out, get checked out if you have carpal tunnel or pupil tunnel, um, and, and some of the ways to know, some of the symptoms to know. Um, I always thought carpal tunnel was just like soreness in the wrist. It, it's a difference, and, and you know, if you play, um, if you say you mow the lawn for a couple of hours, and, and your wrists are just sore, that's not carpal tunnel, but it's the feeling of like, like you've played tug of war for a very long time and your, you, the, your fingers and your knuckles are swollen. And, um, I believe it's the thumb pointer finger and middle finger are the, <clears throat> excuse me, are the fingers that are uh, impacted by the carpal tunnel. So you'll notice more of stiffness in those three fingers. Uh, the cubital tunnel will cause stiffness, pain, and whatnot, numbness in the ring and the pinky finger going up the bottom side of your arm to your elbow. Uh, you'll also feel pain starting from your shoulder, going to the tips of your fingers with the cubital tunnel. Um, and it's not always pain. Sometimes it's numbness or just an odd feeling with your arm when it feels like something out of place or something. Uh, I always feel like I need to like crack my shoulder or something. I don't know, just weird. Um, but it, it's a it's a numbness on the outside and a deep throbbing pain on the inside. Check it out. They have tests that'll tell you if you have the problem, whether or not you think you do or not. And, um, you know, obviously with any wounds, any, any incisions, it's sore. But as gamers and as older gamers, we got to keep up with ourselves. We got I still got a lot, you know, a lot of life left in me. And so I, I don't want something like this to stop me from being, you know, being in pain. I was in pain just holding my controller playing Fortnite and that sucked. And I know a lot of gamers go through similar stuff and some people are, are you know, too afraid to go get checked out or don't have the insurance or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's worth it if you do and, and can get it checked out because they'll tell you if you do have it or not. And because they, you know, they have they have the technology. All right. Moving forward. Some of the things that Joe and I are going to be talking about in the upcoming days, I definitely need to talk to him. We're going to do a consolidated discussion on some of the battle royales. Since we've really got into it last, um, we have Battlefield Five, Firestorm, and we also have, uh, obviously, Fortnite, which is coming up with their World Cup. And I'm trying to get uh, an interview with TX2Loud, uh, Troy, who he runs the uh, the Fortnite podcast, which is pretty much the primary podcast for Fortnite. I know there's a lot out there. I listen to a few of them, but with Troy, you have Monster D-Face. Monster D-Face is a face of Fortnite. Epic Games pays this guy to fly out to some of these places and do the commentary for a lot of the Fortnite events. I would um, 
you know, I would definitely say that this podcast could be classified as the official, unofficial podcast of Fortnite. Uh, I've been talking with Troy. He's interested in, in uh, doing some collaboration of some sort. And um, I think it's time now we can get him on and pick his brain. And if you haven't checked them out, check them out. The, Fo- the Fortnite podcast with TX Too Loud or Too Loud TX. Probably Too Loud TX. And, <clears throat> and Monster D-Face. Those guys are great. And uh, they put on a good show. We also want to get into Blackout. Now, I know Joe is severely addicted to Call of Duty. I'm just kidding, Joe. But no, he, he is. He loves Call of Duty. And, um, you know, I, for some reason, I get the... I'm not addicted to Call of Duty. I, I used to be, you know, years ago, Modern Warfare 2. So I like playing with Joe, and, and I have this, like, um, this inkling of, of uh, determination to, to get back in there and play. I have not been able to play too much. And for some reason, one of the games I really want to play is the, the Blackout. Well, just the other day, they launched um, a new Alcatraz Battle Royale map, which is so cool, in my opinion, because it condenses and consolidates the map into a smaller island, and it's it's... A midway point between a classic battle royale that we've seen over the past year and a Call of Duty map with, you know, with respawns. So it's a cool mix for those who aren't interested in the full all out giant map of Blackout and the people who want to get involved in a fast paced shooter like a multiplayer Call of Duty. Uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, also, because in Call of Duty, you know, you get your loadouts in multiplayer. In this, it's it's the loot-based system, so it's like a multiplayer game with the battle royale aspects. And if you haven't tried it out, free update Alcatraz map. Jump on in, and I believe the you know the progression impacts your progression, your standard progression across the uh, the game itself. So uh, definitely want to talk with Joe about that. And then we have Firestorm, which. Uh, you know, as we all know, I, I really like Battlefield Five, and I have not had a chance to play Firestorm because when I jump in there, I want to give it some time. But I have been watching. I've been watching a lot of Firestorm. I've been paying attention to the streamers. Some of the streamers have broken off and only played Firestorm. We got Shroud out there, you know, supporting Firestorm, and I really like the the graphics in it. I've always liked the graphics in uh, Battlefield Five, Battlefield Four, all those games. The gameplay looks to be similar or the same as the Battlefield style of gameplay, which I personally enjoy. Uh, but I guess they needed to work on the looting, and so that's something that, that uh, the team has been working on to try to fix the looting system. I know they did put out an update that will spread the loot a little bit, so you don't have to pick it up. What was happening was the loot would drop and pile on top of each other. It was pretty hard for everybody to you know, quickly get what they wanted out of the loot, and they're, they're working on it. They know they need to do something different, like a loot box, as we've seen in Apex, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's cool to see how these te- these games are working together. Not to mention in Fortnite, they have they're they're bringing the uh, the the, bus, the the respawn bus, and you know we all know from Apex Legends that they've kind of innovated the market with an out of nowhere game that it seems like all these all these other games are trying to replicate a little bit, you know, and I think that's pretty phenomenal that uh, Respawn Entertainment has been able to generate that kind of buzz and, and make that kind of impact. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a refreshing reminder that there's more than one game out there. You know, Fortnite was my primary game for quite some time. Still kind of is because of the, the injury, and I, I can't really get into some of these other games yet, but 
I don't know. It's so refreshing to to have options and to see all these streamers all kind of spreading out. And like I said, in Fortnite, you have the um, the respawn bus that's bringing that dynamic to Fortnite. It's going to change the game quite a bit. They've also made some changes that piss a lot of the streamers off. The streamers are all playing Monopoly. They're all doing other things because they they want their fifty you know fifty uh, health per kill back and. <laughs> You know, Epic is, is not rewarding them with that, but they're giving them the res- respawn bus. They're obviously trying some different things before this World Cup coming up. And, uh, you know, they they seem to continually do things right. Obviously, they're pissing some people off, but who knows? Who knows who they're making happy, but they're probably going to launch some crazy thing and everyone will forget this, um, this whole mess. So, yeah, we, we want to do a rundown of all the, the battle royales and, and get into where we're at, what we're playing and things like that. But we also have to talk about some VR. I haven't talked about VR in quite some time. And a couple of big big deals have dropped recently. We have No Man's Sky VR, which is something that I have been waiting for since No Man's Sky dropped. Um, a lot of people hated that game right, right off the bat. They felt like it did not deliver on what was expected. I don't know. I still had a lot of fun with it. Joe and I played the hell out of No Man's Sky. We, you know, I, I made it to planets that had people that had been there. It was interesting. Um, you know, they made it seem like you'd never do that, never get there. Obviously, people wanted that. They have adapted that game over the last couple of years into a completely full-fledged promise. They have nailed it. I haven't gotten back into it, but I have watched and seen the updates, and that team deserves some credit for finishing what they started and and delivering to the the players what they should have gotten at the beginning but they never expected or never promised the vr people just wanted it and now we're getting it this summer and i can't wait because that's a perfect type of game for vr where you can just coast through the sky you don't have to fight you don't have to do bad things or you know whatever it's exploration it's enjoying your time and i'll tell you that game is perfect for it i played so much of no man's sky and the entire time that was around when the uh, playstation vr came out and I was saying, I need that game in VR. I need it in VR. Well, we got it. And I can't wait to play it. So we'll definitely be talking about that. But then we have a game called Iron Man. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Marvel Comics, but Iron Man VR. Uh, I was expecting this to be another one of these cheapo advertisements. They've done a couple. Spider-Man Homecoming VR and, you know, Marvel, whatever. This one looks to be legit. Uh, it's, it's getting some good reviews. They're talking about the controls being dynamic and, and interesting. So I want to get into Joe's thoughts on this. I know Joe is, is still kind of just, I'm going to use the term ignorant, even though that's not really a good term. Joe's not ignorant, but he's, he's, he plays a fool when it comes to VR. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. He did not try it long enough, folks. I can tell you right now, I tell him, he didn't try it long enough to truly get past whatever it was that was prohibiting him from enjoying it. Um, he's a gamer. I wouldn't tell this to someone who isn't a gamer who said, nah, no, no good. I don't like it. I need Joe's opinion on some of this stuff. So I'm going to continue to push him until he buys the damn VR. But I hope he doesn't wait till it's too late. And uh, we're moving to the next generation of VR, which is going to be, I, you know, I just can't wait. Well, that's another thing we need to get into. Next gen, right? Quite a bit of things have dropped over the last couple of weeks on that. We know Microsoft is now obviously working on their system. PlayStation 5, lots of rumors and hints and this and that are dropping. You got... Um, the new DualShock 5 potentially leaked, and so we tweeted about that. 
it's, it's, it's hard to say, right? Um, <clears throat> is, is that going to be, you know, is, is what they leaked going to be the game? Who knows? Who knows? Or going to be the controller? I, I, I just don't know, but it looks a little bit clunkier. But, you know, these, these teams of, of people are obviously doing their research to figure out what feels better, what works better, and, hey, maybe it reduces some of that carpal tunnel. Google. Google's in the mix. Google Stadia has been released. And, you know, to be honest, um, they're not released. Jesus, I'm tripping over my words here. But they, they have um, released the statements on Stadia. And Stadia is going to come in being a systemless platform. Uh, you know, one of the things I was talking with a friend about was Google has data. They love and live on data. They don't have no data when you're in there, when you're on your phone. They got you, right? You go from your phone to your PlayStation, you put your phone down, and now that's a serious gap for Sony to um, avoid giving that information out. It's a serious gap for, for the, the phone makers. It's a serious gap for the, uh, the, the, the search engines that collect the data. So Facebook and Google, you know, Google doesn't have any integration into Sony or, or Xbox that I'm aware of. And so they're, you know, they're missing what you're doing and they need to know because that's what they do and so they're putting their own system out they're going to collect all that data they're going to know and they're going to they're going to build on it and that's how google does business they'll, they'll present you with great options but the options are great because they want you to use them so that they can collect that data that is their business that being said i'm interested to see how they're going to do it they're saying that you know input time and lag from your controller is is not going to be a problem. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of consideration to, you know, different Wi-Fi speeds and, and things like that. But they're saying anywhere you can get an internet connection, you're going to be able to play this game or this system. On your Chromecast, on your phone, you're going to be able to go from one place to the other with instant access to streaming on YouTube. And there you go. Boom. Google versus Amazon. Amazon owns Twitch. Google has Google Games, Google uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube Games. And Twitch is obviously the king in this, this area, but YouTube is trying to keep up. Well, now they'll have a system that'll probably, I don't know, I don't know if it'll be a subscription fee to play it or if it'll be free to play. The games will cost money. Who knows what Google will do? I'm super interested in, in talking with Joe about that. And as we hear more following through. Uh, and then let me just run down a couple more things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Samurai Showdown. There's going to be a June release for that. Um, that was a fighting game that, um, I remember having a lot of fun with, and it looks like they're having a next-gen version of that coming out finally, uh, and Mortal Kombat. So those are a couple of fighting games there. Boom. We we, uh, we definitely hit those on the head. Mortal Kombat is getting a lot of press this time. They're putting a lot of info out, a lot of details on every character. Uh, when Mortal the last Mortal Kombat came out, there there was a lot of hype for it, but it kind of seemed like it in the the general population, it just kind of dropped off. I'm sure there was a lot of activity in the MK community, but this next one is getting a lot of uh, global action and all the news and, and reddits and this and that. You're seeing posts about all the, you know, the reveals, kind of like um, Smash Brothers did. But you got to assume in, in the next generation of Mortal Kombat, they're all going to be there, you know, and more. So some of these newer characters are looking pretty cool. Um, Let's see. Okay, uh, I saw Shazam with my son. I loved it. I want to talk with Joe about that. Uh, going back to the Battle Royale, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, uh, Carmageddon, 
and some of these older car games, they need a battle royale, right? Destruction Derby. Well, not my car is a game coming out. It's for PC, I believe, and they have a Sony early access, or I'm sorry, a Steam early access to a game called Not My Car, and it looks like a Destruction Derby-style, fast-paced battle royale with cars. Love to talk to Joe about that. Uh, we also got Days Gone coming up, which is getting a ton of hype. This game has been talked about for quite some time at E3s and on all the different news sites. I'm interested to see how this launch goes um, after playing some or seeing how Anthem has gone. Uh, I'm going to wait to do anything with this game. However, if it's good, it is a game I'll buy. Uh, the Anthem, right? Let's talk about that. We're gonna t- we're gonna dive into Anthem. Joe and I talked up Anthem, and if anyone bought Anthem because of us, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to pull back a little bit there uh, on um, on recommending games before they're launched because of this. And so Anthem, um, there's a couple of stories out there about how they believe that EA uh, might be using some type of weird algorithm to determine how you get your loot. And someone actually did some research, found some patents, and it's interesting to see how those patents apply to EA and Anthem. And there was a news story from like January of 2018 that actually included screenshots of an quote-unquote upcoming game. And now that Anthem's out, you know that that screenshot is from Anthem. And the upcoming game they're talking about, uh, the, the, the news story talked about how EA was putting in some type of incentivized play with, uh, you know, basically trying to get you to spend more money to continue playing the game. And with all these algorithms in the game, if that's what's happening, that could be why they're having such a hard time appeasing the customers and giving them what they want with uh, better loot and stuff. There's probably some really dynamic code in there. And EA is probably using this huge hype game to see if this type of thing will be a a future, you know, moneymaker for them. <clears throat> it's always about money. I wish it was about the content and, um, you know, and the money comes after. Uh, Joe doesn't love all the, the different things of Battle Royales um, with all the, the you know, spending all the money, um, Fortnite being the, the primary one. But to be honest, I love that aspect. Yes, you can spend way too much money, right? But that's called moderation and that's called, um, you know, limiting yourself or your kids but the fact is you don't have to have any of that you can go in and play the entire game as is without spending a dollar and it's up to you to control yourself when you want to spend money or not i think that's a perfect business model Uh, it seems to work and people seem to appreciate it but then you have call of duty who's like buy our game and then we're going to implement that business model the greed it comes through and then you see that the falloff is significant for games that do that, uh, especially in viewership on Twitch. There's so much data out there that's visible right now. You go, you can compare Twitch versus Battlefield versus uh, Fortnite and, you, and, and Apex, and you can see which games are getting more views and things like that. And it's obvious that people don't like that type of force, the forcing you to spend money to, to have fun and, and to play the games. Uh, obviously they want to make money, right? The risk of, of not forcing you to spend money to play the game is that they lose all their money, but damn, I mean, it's working for some of these companies. Uh, Apex and Fortnite 
just came out of nowhere, free to play. Both of them have the same model, both of them the top games. There's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. They should make uh, Blackout and Firestorm free to play for everybody. And I guarantee you, people would jump in and play it. You'd have a bigger player base. You'd spread out these Battle Royales a little bit with player bases. And then players would, you know, they'd be playing Firestorm and going, you know what, I'm going to buy the Battlefield 5. I like this game. You would get some sales that you would never have gotten. And same with Call of Duty. So I don't, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know if the, the money is worth it for them to not go free. But we'll see. We'll see. Sorry for the yawn. Was up late. All right. Call of Duty is also going mobile. Want to talk to Joe about that. And uh, we have. Um, okay. There's a, in August, there's a workshop uh, to, t- to discuss loot crates in America. The FTC is getting together to discuss like what, what that means. I know in other countries, they've implemented laws for these companies to tell you that you're gambling, right? If you're spending money on something that is randomized and, but has an algorithm to control it, just like a, um, Jack, you know, a, a slot machine at a casino, it's the same concept. Your goal, what you're trying to get and obtain has a percentage based off of, uh, the number of pools, right? So if you want a legendary, they, they need to tell you to how much it's, you know, 7% chance or, or 12% chance. It will be a refreshing reminder of how, <clears throat> how risky it is to throw all this money into some of this type of stuff. But um, all the big companies are pushing back. I love the fact that Apex Legends put that stuff right in the game. It's very apparent. That right in the game, it tells you, you know, you're going to have 7% chance of getting a legendary. There's no duplicates, and we guarantee a legendary one every, what, 35, 35 loot boxes or something. They're telling you all that information up front. These, these people are smart. People love the fact that they know what they're getting into, and knowledge is power. So um, I'd love to see what comes out of the uh, FTC uh, loot crate August discussion. Game Pass and Gold. Looks like that's going to be combined to a $15 a month um, proposed, this is a proposal here. I don't know if it's a hundred percent yet, but they're going to do a, a combined fee and, um, you'll save five bucks a month, right? If you're a game pass and a gold subscriber for Xbox. Now what game pass is, is basically access to hundreds and hundreds of, of previous games, Xbox one and Xbox 360 alike. So, uh, there are a lot of good games in there. Sea of Thieves is in there. I believe, um, some of the big games that are out right now, that uh, pe- a lot of people play, State of Decay 2. Um, yeah, just it, if you're a game player who plays a lot of different games, this $15 a month combo, combo seems to be well worth it. If you just play like one game, like Call of Duty or, you know, this Fortnite or whatever, it's not worth it because you won't ever get in there. However, check it out, 15 bucks a month probably, and, and that seems like a pretty good deal to me, given the library and the huge access of games. Stuff like this, if this rolls over into the next generation consoles, you know, you'll be able to play, hopefully, the previous console games through passes like this, and you get back to games you never got to play. And um, some of these games get remastered and stuff, and and you just never go back to it. Uh, I I love the concept. I love the subscription model. I do Netflix. I play more games than I play watch movies, and I'm willing to pay $10 to $12 a month for Netflix. 
I'd be willing to pay $15 a month for a huge library of games to play at any given time. So when you think of it like that, um, you know, to me, it's a no brainer. I hope that, um, that Sony's prices come down a little bit on this. And I also hope that Google, if they have their system, I hope it's some type of subscription model that is a moderately priced or good priced, uh, that that gives us access to some of the top games that are out today and also i hope that ea access comes to playstation there was that rumor i haven't seen much since so we'll see what happens uh, there's a documentary out called playing hard just hit on netflix it's about the for honor game and it's getting some good reviews uh, there's been a lot of talk about the state of developers in the gaming industry and how how toxic it can be and how hard it can be um, a lot of People complaining about how they push, 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 make uh, expectations really, really high, and then the teams deliver, um, and then they have to change what they're delivering at the last minute, make huge changes to the games. Those changes seem to impact a lot of the th the bugs, defects, and storylines, and then we get games like Anthem or you know some of these things that are supposed to be big but end up being duds. And then those teams get laid off, but who's really to blame? Well, For Honor was hugely hyped, never really um, amassed to the hype that, that they wanted to, and then it steadily grew. I guess nowadays it's um it's just got a long-term long, long -term player base. Nothing was significant at the beginning. I played some beta of that. I really loved the concept. I have it on my system. I plan on playing it. It'll probably be too late by the time I do, but at the same time, um, the concept was great. The graphics were great. Gameplay felt good. And maybe I should get in there sooner rather than later. But I am going to check out this documentary because um, people are giving it some good, good reviews, and you know, it'll be interesting to read about or see about um, some of the, the the back behind the scenes of that, the making of that game. Um, Rage Two is going to be released on May fourteenth, and I played a little bit of Rage One. It was a lot of fun. It had a, a similar feel to some of these games we play right now like borderlands and whatnot um but one of the things that they did i think is hilarious is they added on he's on fire edition and i don't know if this is just a pre-order bonus or if this is a part of the game itself entirely but the he's on fire edition is the guy from uh old school you know us old school gamers know this pretty well uh, he is um he's on fire that guy from nba jam they hired the the same guy the voice actor to come in and there's an awesome video that shows like a minute long uh you know and it's a shooter right it's like a borderlands or whatever a story-based shooter and the guy's doing the commentary as you're blowing people up and stuff it's just hilarious um boom shaka waka and they they really implemented him very well based off the trailer i i can't wait to play this game i definitely am gonna check it out because uh the rage 2 is getting a lot of rage or a lot of you know, a lot of people talking about it. And I never finished Rage 1. Maybe I should add it to the list before I play Rage 2. But uh, if, you, if you're familiar with Rage 1 and you think I should play it, go ahead, tweet at us at the backlog pod. I'd love to, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on Rage 1 and if uh, you think I should play Rage 2. So wrapping up this quickie, uh, 30, well, it's not as quick as I thought. I thought it was going to be like 10, 15 minutes. Here we are, 31. So um, let me wrap it up. Tonight is WrestleMania. The other night was uh, NXT TakeOver in New York, and holy shit, Todd did it again, man. Then, except for did it again, he stole the show. Um, yes, all four of the, the wrestlers were awesome. Ricochet, Aleister Black, and uh, Raymond Rowe. All four of them, phenomenal, phenomenal effort. But, you know, Todd's a big dude. He's a humble guy. And 
he was doing some things that could absolutely have injured him for life. He does these things all the time. He's been doing them for 20-something years. And uh, they gave him the opportunity to truly showcase what he's capable of doing. I couldn't believe it. He did the cannonball off the top, a front flip, 305-something pounds, this guy. Um, I love the style of, of um, athleticism that they let the, the War Raiders show. But in addition to that, the way that they work together, the way that they sacrifice each other's bodies, uh, you know, tells a story about how, you know, he'll body slam, uh, Roe will body slam Hanson onto the opponent. Obviously, you know, in wrestling uh, world, that's going to hurt Hanson too. They play it off. You know, he, Hanson's up top, his teammates down below with uh, Ricochet and, uh, and, and uh, Alistair Black. He does a cannonball into all three of them. It's, it's awesome. I love the dynamic. You know, it's it's this anything, you know, do take anything they need to to win uh, style. They are the modern day combination of Legion Doom, Dem- Demolition and Powers of Pain with athleticism and, you know, way more movement than all three of those teams ever had. When you think back and you watch, if you're to pull up Legion of Doom, my memories of Legion of Doom, they were just friggin phenomenal. Right. But they're all the wrestling back then was so much slower paced and there were so many handholds and are you know test of strengths and bear hugs and slowdown moments there was like one or two slowdown moments in this match and it was just to show respect and that was telling a story these four guys told a story in a 20 minute match that was so good that had the crowd on their feet chanting hall of famers this is nxt this is the pre-show to the WrestleMania. And all four guys were getting a Hall of Famers chant. You know, the hair standing up on the back of my neck and I'm getting goosebumps because I know Todd. And I couldn't even imagine what that would feel like to know you're being cheered upon by 20-something thousand people and millions at home as a Hall of Famer before you even made it to the big, big show. And the performance that these four guys put on deserves that chant, deserves that type of, um, you know, response, truly, because that match, the first match is the opening match on NXT TakeOver, and it was just incredible, and I believe from my heart, even if I didn't know Todd, I would feel the same way about this match. Obviously, there's emotion that goes into it because I know Todd. And it's just so cool to see someone, you know, at such a high level do these things. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big guy. I'm 5'7", I think, 5'8". Five, five uh, you know, just, I'm not, a, I'm not a big guy. But, you know, we did the backyard wrestling stuff. There was obviously a time in my life where I was like, I would love to be a professional wrestler. Um, I got the body of one, like, in the sense of I'm beaten to hell. You know, my arms are broken. My... My back, I have, uh, you know, herniations in my neck and my lower back. It's just nuts. But, but you know, I'm not afraid of standing in, a group, in front of a group of people or a crowd and doing something stupid. I used to go to school dances, create a circle, and, and just dance. I go, you know, just to make my friends laugh, I would, I would create a circle at a nightclub and uh, risk my life pushing people back and telling them to circle it up. And, you know, anyone who's been out at a club with me knows 
you know, one or two back in the, the hatch and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do the worm on any floor. So, um, you know, and I, I love it. I love the feeling everyone clapping with me and cheering and whatever, you know, I don't know what I would do. 20,000 people. I don't know what I'd be willing to do with 20,000 people cheering me on. Todd does. Todd does know what he'd be willing to do. He'd do a freaking front flip cannonball from 305 pounds off the top rope onto concrete. That's what Todd's willing to do. He's willing to dive face first through the middle rope into his opponent. Alistair Black is willing to do a backflip off the top rope into the, you know, onto the cement. Uh, Ricochet can do anything he wants. He defies physics and gravity. And, you know, I, I talk a lot of wrestling. I know this is a gaming show, but um, I grew up on wrestling and gaming. Some of my, my fondest memories, believe it or not, was watching wrestling with my brother on scrambled TV because we couldn't get every pay-per-view. But back in the day, you could tune your TV, you could get to the, the pay-per-view channel by, you know, it was scrambled and you couldn't see it, but you could hear it. And uh, I just remember watching like Royal Rumbles through scrambled television on my mom and dad's 12 inch, 13 inch black and white TV. And um, I feel like I've seen it, but I didn't, you know, I, I listened to it. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan just going to town and it's like, Everyone, you know, some people are, are embarrassed to say they like wrestling. Some people are embarrassed to watch wrestling. Um, you know, there's a lot of people throw the, the homoerotic tag at it and stuff because of the tights and all that. But you know what? The real men in in the back of those locker rooms, they know they're men. They know they're they're not afraid to go out there in the tights. There's a lot of humor, a lot of, of passion. And a lot of silliness that goes into making the show that is wrestling. There's a lot of dedication. There's a lot of pain and suffering that's involved. And there's a lot of years for a lot of these guys that are not sensational. Not something that they want to tell their family and friends that they go through. Um, there's a reason there's a lot of early deaths in wrestling. It's because the schedules are intense. The, um, the, the pain is real. These bodies of these people, I mean, think about it. I'm 38 years old. If I just jumped right now in my, my, my office with carpet and landed on my body, my chest, as hard as, you know, as hard as I could possibly land, flat-faced, that would hurt. That would, I would be out. But these guys do it 16, 20 times a night, five nights a week across the entire country because they're traveling all over the place. Um, it's hard to have families. It's hard to have uh, friends that are outside of the industry. And, uh, you know, there's a, probably a lot of emotion and pain and suffering. So these guys turn to beer, these guys turn to alcohol, they turn to pain pills and they turn to drugs, freedom, you know, freedom from whatever. And then they go out there the next night and they perform and they get that wave of, of emotion, the, the cheers, the chants. And, uh, I think the worst thing you could do is not appreciate a wrestler if you're a fan of wrestling, the boos, even, you know, MMA gets this too. When people boo out there, you get in the fucking ring and you fight, you fight in front of 30,000 people, get your ass kicked. You know what I mean? Like some fights are best won mentally. That's why Conor McGregor does his thing with his mind games. Uh, it's, it's, you break these people down, you make them believe they can't, that, that, that they may not win or they have to win. And if they don't, their careers are over. Uh, and you put a lot of pressure on them. Well, these guys, every night, 
their entire careers, their paychecks are dependent on the fans. 100% dependent on you cheering them or booing them. And, you know, I remember back in the day, wrestler Al Snow, he, he was always a mixed reaction. But I guess in the back, this guy was a, you know, he helped the other guys out. Uh, he was beloved, decent guy. And, and I don't know any of these to be facts, but I'm just repeating things I've read. And so they kept him around. He bounced around from WWF to WCW to, or to, you know, to ECW and, and did his thing. And my brother and I and some friends, we were at an event and I, or I don't remember which one this was, but, you know, I was at the event where someone gave him a styrofoam head. He, he would take things. ECW gave you the opportunity to, you know, you could chuck a chair in the ring and they'd use it back in the day. Nowadays, you know, there's no way in hell that that would go through, but. Uh, but back in the day, yeah, so someone, people would bring things in, frying pans, this and that. Well, one person had a styrofoam head, and, and Al Snow took it, got into the ring, held it up, crowd said, head. He held it up again, crowd said, head. And years later, you know, he's freaking tag team champions and, you know, in WWE, you know, limelight, because people reacted to the head. People need to react if you if you have a, a favorite wrestler or if you just appreciate what they're doing out there. Now, I'm not saying if you think someone sucks and you don't want to see him ever again, react to him anyways. But at the same time, when you see someone like Todd or Ray Monroe just putting their bodies on the line and you do any bit of research and realize how long they've been doing this stuff, cheer for him, scream for him, ricochet. This guy's doing amazing things that most people can't. And he's doing them on a regular basis to upkeep this, this, um, you know, this character, Ray Mysterio Jr. is, has a life of doing these types of things. And he's an old man now. He's getting old. He was around when I was a kid. The guy's been doing it all his life. He just got cleared for WrestleMania. Cheer that man on, you know? And, um, you know, I know wrestling isn't the same as when I most enjoyed it. You know, I love the Attitude Era. I love the, the early days. But, um, I'm not a fan of the storylines these days, a lot of them, but when you watch NXT, you kind of get that back. You kind of get some of the old and, uh, you know, the feel of that there's really much more passion and much more involvement. It seems like some of these guys, when they get to the big show, they, you know, they, they, they've made it and they're kind of done with putting their risks out there and, and they got to turn to, you know, some other things and the big heads and whatnot prevail. And then you got the Brock Lesnar's who don't have to do nothing, doesn't even show up to the Hall of Fame ceremony. It's just silly, you know. Um, but WrestleMania is right around the corner. Can't wait for it. And, uh, we're going to be watching it tonight. So, um, we'll have, when I talk with Joe, we're going to go into WrestleMania, whether he likes it or not. Damn it. And also check out my Twitter and Instagram at the backlog pod. Uh, I posted a couple of things. Um, you'll see, uh, my studio is now complete and I am proud to say that in the coming weeks and months, I will be delivering content. I'm going to be delivering content that you will love. I'm going to be delivering content that you will enjoy subscribing to. That is the goal. And I'm going to be stupid and silly. I'm going to be serious and fun. I'm going to be everything I can to get your views, to get your listens, to get your serious feedback. And, uh, you know, my wife works till nine. I got a couple hours to burn every day and I'm going to do it with my kids. I'm going to do it with my fans. If there's a single fan out there that wants to watch and see any of this stuff, I'm not the best gamer in the world, so I'm going to put out some content that um, hopefully you will enjoy anyways. Uh, there's a, char uh, a character. There's a, a content creator called Pay Money Wubby, 
and uh he's hilarious um and I, I just i see what he does and what he puts out and then i see dr disrespect and what he does and he puts out and I, uh, uh those two are influencing me to put out the content that i want to put out that i know i'm capable of putting out the studio looks phenomenal check out our twitter to see it you know at the backlog pod just got to keep reminding you and um you know i put a lot of time and money into it uh, you know not that you know, don't feel bad for me. I did it for myself, but, um, shit, it looks good. And I'm just so proud, so happy to sit here and have this view. Uh, every time I sit down to go to work or go to play, uh, this, I've made it to where I want to be in, um, you know, in, in the life that I have. I know that, uh, they say the American dream is to become a millionaire and this and that. That's not my dream right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I would not deny that, but a dream is something I'm trying to obtain. I'm not trying to obtain becoming a millionaire. I'm trying to obtain uh, an enjoyful life, something that uh, I can sit back and say, this is the life I wanted, right? When I was a kid, if you told me I'd have a studio talking to hundreds of people on a podcast and uh, just ranting and raving about things I love and hate uh, with some of my closest friends helping me out along the way, my brother helping me out along the way, looking at two 55-inch monitor, else you know, 4K TVs, broadcasting anything I want to them, uh, watching WrestleMania with my buddy on it, you know, uh, it's just this is this is uh, the life. I, I got to admit, I wish there were more people physically living around me so I could share this life with them, so that they could, you know, share their lives with me. Uh, all I got right now is my wife and my kids physically here, and that's enough because internet has allowed us to to branch out and, and reach out across the countries and stuff. But, you know, um, having Jed move to Italy and, and having myself here wallowing in my own sorrows, I am imploring you to subscribe to the YouTube stuff that I do, to the Twitch stuff that I'm hopefully going to be doing so that you can share all this fun with me. Uh, you know, th this, this podcast is just the tip of the iceberg of what I think I'm capable of. And I look forward to all the, the future things that we're going to do together. Now, last but not least, it is April 7th. We're getting so close. So, 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 so damn close to season eight of Game of Thrones. Now, if you don't know what Game of Thrones is, get out from under the rocky ring. Game of Thrones is by far the best television that has ever been produced. It is the best book that has ever been produced. If you don't, if you don't agree, sorry, you're wrong. That's just my opinion. However, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones too. Maybe we'll do some side podcasts there because I know that that's so outside of uh, gaming related. But man, I'll tell you, guaranteed, once this show is over, they're going to be doing games and games and games. There are some Telltale games with Game of Thrones in it, but man, this is just uh, what a what a climaxing series. Uh, can't wait for the final eight episodes, I believe it is. They're all about an hour long or more. Uh, They're having the, the biggest fight scenes and biggest battles in television movie history. They have put together some of the most amazing digital content to go into these, these shows, these final eight episodes. They're going to pull off all the stops, okay? I cannot wait. It's going to be hopefully the most epic ending to anything you have ever seen. And the only thing I can relate this excitement to is the finale of um, Battlestar Galactica. When uh, you get into that and you enjoy how amazing that show is, 
and you start getting towards the end and you know it's the end. You know this is the final couple of episodes. You know there's nothing else after it. And you know, <coughs> excuse me, damn it. You know that when it's over, you're not going to get any more. So does it deliver? Does it satisfy and satiate those feelings of needing more? It better. Yeah, I hope it does. Uh, I think back to Lost, and I think back to the expectations that were put on the, the writers, even through the writer's strike. And I think back to what, um, what everyone wanted the end of Lost to be and how unfortunate uh, all that work to get it to where it was just didn't, didn't deliver on, on a global promise of, of being the most epic ending. It wasn't as dynamic of an ending as, as it could have been. And um, to this day, it's, it's something that leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth of, you know, what, what could it have been? What should it have been? That was one of the best shows I've ever watched. And uh, I watched it like five times. Um, I think back to shows like uh, 24, who, you know, they were, that was some of the best television you will ever see. And unfortunately, again, the, the writer's strike from, from back then uh, impacted the show, um, negotiation problems impacted the show, and then drug problems, I believe, impacted the show. I can't remember exactly, but, um, but they finished it hard. They finished that show hard and good. They came back with the final season and they did it right. Um, people wanted to see badass Jack Bauer, not pussy Jack Bauer, and they got it. And so, um, you know, they, 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 I think they did the, 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 the right thing by, by Jack Bauer and the fans of 24. Um, think back to Dexter. What a great show. What a great show Dexter was. Um, some people hated the ending. I, I don't know. I mean, I wish I had a scene a little bit more of what could have happened with him and, and his life and his character uh, post finale. I wish there might have been a follow-up season or something. I don't know. I mean, could they have done it? Yes. Um, leaving the speculation to the fans is something that was really coined by Sopranos. Um, you know, now with, uh, with the Tony Soprano gone, we'll never get that follow-up that people had hoped for. I think back to some of these, just some of the most amazing shows like The Wire or The Shield. Um, a lot of times they, they, get, they get toasted on their delivery of the finale. They get, um, you know, ruined after it's over. But some of these shows live on forever. And, uh, you know, The Shield, oh my goodness, if you haven't watched that, um, just some of the most... Uh, you know, yes, it's a cop show, right? It's more than that. It's more than that. And if you watch a show like The Shield or a show like The Wire, you will see characters in those shows that are now primetime actors starring in their own shows and movies today because they were the shit back then. I mean, boom, bam, they did it. They put the passion in these shows all together. And so, you know, Game of Thrones is, is wrapping up all the actors in the Game of Thrones show have an opportunity now that they did not have back then. Kit Harrington is going to be a megastar. He already is, but he's going to be a megastar. Once he's free from the role of Jon Snow, 
this guy has the world in front of him if he chooses. Even Joffrey Baratheon, I uh, forget the guy, the name of the guy who played him. Um, he chose to to back out. Uh, it was too emotional. It was too impactful. In real life, the guy's a really good guy, but um, after his absolutely unbelievable role as Joffrey uh, in this show, he will never ever be able to be looked at differently again. And I think he kind of knew that, and he didn't like that. I don't think he liked the feeling of being hated as much as he was. But I don't know if there was anybody who could have done a better job than what he did. Ramsey Bolton. I mean, we can you know we're gonna do a, a full full couple of episodes where I get into this because it's uh, it's you know silly as it is, it's emotional for me. I love it. I love it so much that um, you know you start you you. You put your life into it. What do you love in life? You know, I love this stuff. I love it. I love when a good game is over, man. You know, I just think back to when Jagger beat Super Mario Odyssey or one of those games. And uh, he was like three. And I said, you did it. You won. It's over. Now you can play a different game. And he just started crying. I want to play this game. And I said, but there's more games. I just want to play this game. So he went back and started it over. Um, I just want more Game of Thrones, man. I just want more of The Wire. I just want more of these shows. I don't want it to end. But. Battlestar Galactica had the best finale. It delivered in my gut, in my heart. I didn't need another episode. It was over, and I would definitely have taken another episode, but there was no desire. I felt like the story was complete, and um, and I was ready to move on from the entire universe that was uh, that. And so I hope that that's what they do with us. I know that there's more of the Game of Thrones universe coming to, to, to HBO in the future. Uh, but I want this one to be finale. And by finale, I, I, I do not want to feel like there is anything left hanging. I don't know how they're going to do that in eight episodes with all of the open questions and all of the open storylines. But I guess really uh, most of them don't matter because when that, you know, the undead is coming, um, you know, the petty politics don't really, you know, don't really matter. But that is the point of the Game of Thrones, right? Trying to get the throne when there's really much more important things. There's a lot of uh, truth to that, you know, a lot of truth to that uh, in real life. So we're going to talk about all those things that I just went through over the next coming episodes of the Backlog Exposed. I am your host with the most, well, with the most episodes, you know, I guess. Joe is, um, he's on a lot of them. But uh, I can I can say it. I'm the host with the most episodes. Uh, no no uh, no messing around with Joe here. He's you know he's he's got a lot of things going on, and and I have less things going on than he does. So I'm able to to get in here and do this a little bit more often. Um, but Joe and I uh, are going to be recording later tonight or tomorrow, giving you another episode. Then we're going to start doing more consistent uh, timed episodes. Probably come up with a schedule come up with structure, come up with a whole lot of things because we're going to be streaming, we're going to be hooting and hollering, we're going to be having a lot of fun. Check us out, thebacklogexposed.com or you can hit us at all of our links. This is a new one, okay? Link tree is this cool uh, bookmark type thing, right? I created uh, about 10 different things, our Instagram, our Twitter, our, our Discord, all of those things, right? You can get right to them by going to link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash thebacklogpod. Uh, check it out, Linktree. You can make your own. It's pretty cool. But um, yeah, you know our website. You know, uh, Anchor.fm slash the backlog exposed. You got uh, Twitter and Instagram. And last but not least, we are at 750 plus 
followers on Twitter. Thank you. I think most of them are real. You can run a, a, a search to see. And um, we are getting pumped and followed left and right. The growth is starting to expand. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I want to hit that thousand mark soon. I'd like to do it before Jagger's birthday, which is the 20th of April, uh, so I can reply for a content creator code for Fortnite. So if you can help us out, please like, subscribe, share, all those things to all of our things, and things will be thingy, and it'll be awesome. So I am Kevin. I am out. And until next time, this was episode 48 of the Backlog Exposed.